You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into Tuesday's episode of Locked On Cardinals, December the 8th. I am the St. Louis Cardinals mega fan, Lucas Smith, and we have a crossover edition today with the wonderful, the one, the only, Sean Sears of Locked On Cubs. How are you doing today, Sean? I am doing good, Lucas. How are you doing? Not too bad. Uh, we're both Bears fans, so we're suffering because of that. <laughs> but we're going to talk about baseball instead today. Um, non-tender deadline has come and gone for Major League Baseball. New free agents have hit the market officially. And you and I are going to talk about one that left the Cubs, uh, Kyle Schwarber. Uh, non-tendered and let go. Uh, before we get into any details, what was your reaction to the Cubs not giving him a contract? Did you see it coming? And what, what are some of your initial thoughts on that move? Yeah, I um, Kyle Schwarber wasn't a guy that I, I necessarily pegged initially as a non-tender candidate. Um, he was a guy that we kind of talked about just because, like, you know, there's there's four or five Cubs on this roster right now that are going to be free agents after 2022, and mm-hmm. they're, they're big names, and being Kyle Schwarber, uh, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, and then Wilson Contreras the next year in 2022. Those are five big names in the Cubs lineup. Um, so I, I, I figured change was coming. I, I think I was more surprised that the Cubs couldn't agree to a deal with Schwarber and then find a trade suitor for him. It tells me that teams are a lot like the Cubs right now are not trying to spend money. And I think honestly that they, they knew that they could probably get Schwarber outright because the Cubs financial situation is, is clearly very dire a lot more than other teams. It seems like is mm-hmm. the Ricketts and I mean, everyone in baseball is not trying to spend money, but the Ricketts don't seem to be very willing to want to spend money during a pandemic. They've talked about they've lost somewhere around like 140 million, 75% of their like sales at gate from no fans in the stands. Right. I, I there's a lot of mm, sure. Okay. Guy uh, right. responses <laughs> to some of these things, but ultimately like um, it comes down to the Cubs just didn't want to spend 7 million plus on Kyle Schwarber. And, and I, I know mm. there was like hopes that there might be a deal in place maybe shortly after. And he teased the idea and the Cubs kind of threw the idea out there too, that they would be interested in trying to make a deal work with him. But I, I think if they, if the Cubs had found something, they would have non-tendered Schwarber and then had come to an agreement after they'd non-tender him like they did with three right. other guys um, last Tuesday. So um, to me, that tells me, I think Schwarber's hitting the open market and he's probably going to look and see what type of offers he has. If there's somewhere you know, too close to what the Cubs had basically non-tendered him for, they'll probably say, Hey, good luck somewhere else. We appreciate everything, but I, I just don't see Schwarber coming back. So that's sad, but good right. news for some other baseball teams because you got a guy who could potentially hit 40-plus home runs. You could plug in left field or DH now. Right, right. We'll talk about his market and the DH in a little bit. What was his contract supposed to be or arbitration expected? Um, so, yeah, he was projected somewhere around, like, most places had him somewhere around $7 million, um, but okay. he had a wider range um, than most guys. So I, I saw some places, like MLB Trade Rumor, had a projection of him making somewhere a little over $9 million next year, um, which I, his 2019 season was fantastic, especially the second half, and you could kind of see where those numbers come from. But at the same time, too, he was he was a, a central zero last year in 2020, like, like a good amount of this Cubs offense, and <laughs> we've obviously seen Schwarber have his ups and downs. So um, I, I think the Cubs – in a non-pandemic season, probably signed Schwarber for $7 million and looked to flip him for an underperforming player for another team. But I just right. don't think they wanted to take that risk and, and pay a guy $7 million to, to maybe see him walk at the end of the year. 
Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You know, th- this week on the on the on this show, uh, just for an update for you and any listeners that haven't tuned in, talking about just kind of non-tendered free agents and different things like that. And one guy that I talked about yesterday, and Eddie Rosario, was scheduled to make ten million dollars. Um, so maybe the Cardinals can go up their short with them. It might be, uh, you know, a little bit more cost-effective here. I want to ask you about a quote. You may or may not have seen it. You may not may not have talked about it. Uh, this was coming from six seventy to score the score radio station up in Chicago. Uh, this is Ian Happ on Kyle Schwarber. Uh, I texted him yesterday and told him I loved him and said I'm still very hopeful that I can play with him next year. I'm not giving up hope yet. This was five days ago at this point. But what I want to ask you about is the, this is a quote in the article or it says, if he isn't back with the Cubs, he's going to get 40 home runs somewhere else. That's a number you just threw out there. What's the realistic opportunity of Schwarber hitting 40 home runs somewhere? And no, not, not, not just the Cardinals, but where do you see him fitting in um, to hit 40 home runs? New York comes to mind for me with that short porch. Right, exactly. Yeah, the Yankees make sense. Colorado and the Yankees are two teams that have had a lot of interest in Schwarber over the last couple of years. Yankees notably asked for him in the Araldus Chapman deal um, a couple of years ago for the World Series run in 2016. And um, the Rockies have shown interest in him too. But it, what's weird is that both the Yankees and Rockies have shown interest in Schwarber playing first base. Mm. which is uh, really strange. And I, I talked about this idea with Ryan Davis a little bit too. And, and Schwarber, for people that don't follow him super closely, they think of him as kind of this big behemoth Hulk smashing type of guy in left <laughs> field. And he is, he can smash some baseballs, but he's a lot more athletic than people give him credit for. Um, he's a former linebacker in high school and, and could have played D3 school football out of, out of college, but he wants Indiana to play baseball and get a good degree. He graduated the, the business school there and, uh, really smart guy works incredibly hard and it, for people that forget I mean you look at what Kyle Schrober looked like in 2015 and then look right. at a picture of him from last year the guy dropped like 40 pounds um, and still had plenty of pop to share to spare with that as well so he's a really athletic guy and I could see him fitting in, in a couple of different teams especially like the Yankees make a lot of sense uh, a couple of years ago they would have made more sense now they've got Luke Voigt and obviously John Carlos Stanton uh, they keep they're keeping Gary Sanders Jazz. It might be a tough fit for them, but they've always liked Schwarber. The Rockies are a team that make a lot of sense. John Gray's the guy that I, I think is like, if you could swap Kyle Schwarber for like that type of player, that was the deal I think the Cubs had in mind before this offseason started, if they were going to move a guy like Schwarber. Um, but those two teams make sense. The, the Cardinals could make sense too. They need left hand. They need left-handed bats. They need a power bat in left field or in the outfield in general. That would be a big fit for them. And for a guy that offers protection for Paul Goldschmidt, that, that's huge. He, he does that exactly. And he's a very patient hitter, um, sees a lot of pitches. He would fit really well in that Cardinal lineup as like the fourth or fifth guy just because he's going to see a lot of balls and, and force guys to pitch to Goldschmidt, which is really what the Cardinals need. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all three guys I'm talking about this week, uh, Eddie Rosario, Schwarber, and David Dahl are all left-handed hitting corner outfielder DH solutions. So <laughs> Schwarber definitely checks a lot of boxes. You mentioned his defense has improved. Uh, so my, my twin brother and I are, are Cubs Cardinal fans opposing, so we, we like to joke about this a lot. I, I joke about how awful Schwarber used to be and kind of neglect the fact that he has improved <laughs> over the last couple of years. Um, well, I've always liked his arm because he came up as a catcher. Um, and then moved to the outfield. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Came up as a catcher, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so his arm has always been there, but there were reports coming out uh, to, on Monday about the, the DH possibly not staying and teams are being told to, quote, plan as if it won't be there. What do you think his – how does his market change based on if the DH stays in the NL or if it doesn't? 
Um, I mean, if he, if the DH is leaving the NL, I would assume there'd be a lot more American league teams, uh, showing more interest in Schwarber. Um, that could also limit his market a little bit too. Cause I, I could see a lot of national league teams. Maybe while he's, he's improved a lot defensively, Kyle Schwarber is probably at the best he'll ever be in left field, which right now is like slightly above average in, in left field. And, um, it's, it's his arm that really saves him a lot. He's got a really strong arm. Obviously, a former catcher, he can let it fly. He's got a cannon in left field and gunned down some dudes even just this year alone. Um, so impressive in that in that regard, too. He's a, lot more, he's a lot more technical of a fielder. And honestly, left field is really hard to field in le- and at Wrigley because the foul line doesn't exist once you get, like, you know, 150 feet into the outfield. So, like, you, you're pretty much either running into a wall or that's a triple. So, like, for Kyle, like Kyle Schwarber, like, that doesn't work um, super well for him. He's not necessarily laying out for balls over there and chasing down balls in the corner. So, I think defensively, like, playing in any more modernized baseball park would probably help him a little bit. The only place you probably wouldn't want to see him play would be, like, San Francisco because they've just got a, a, just a ridiculous right field with, like, 50 right. different corners and angles and – uh left field's a lot easier but still if he would have to switch around but uh, in terms of his defense like it's it's never going to get better than it is now but it's still a lot better than i think people recognize yeah for sure um, and you mentioned, you know, the, the, the predictions on his arbitration or, you know, for, for mm-hmm. the non-tender, whatever was going to be anywhere from seven to 9 million. Have you seen any reports now that he is officially a free agent, what the money like be like, what the contract length might be or anything like that? Have you seen any reports about that or what are your thoughts on what Schumer might be looking for? Yeah, uh, I haven't seen anything come up quite yet. Is, I'm, I'm sure there's a market for Schwarber. He's definitely one of the yeah. more attractive names on the market at the moment. Um, what I would guess, if if the Cubs were were not willing to pay him seven million, I would assume offers are going to be somewhere around five to six million. That would be my guess, somewhere around there. Especially because what's happening, we're, we're seeing a lot of this, especially right before the non-tender deadline, is a lot of these guys are agreeing to deals with with lesser money, but for the hope of a guaranteed contract because there's not too many guys that want to go through the arbitration process this year or in general, but especially this year, because mm-hmm. what, what could realistically happen is if you go through this whole process, wait till March teams could have like next to no money at all at that point, because they've already allocated these resources. So they might just be coming to you with a minor league deal. And if that's all they can afford, you know, the arbitration process, like they, you know, you can only offer less than 20% of what they're willing to pay. Like it would just be a nightmare and teams are likely going to get sad where guys are going to get likely get saddled minor league deals as opposed to major league contracts. So they're taking less money now to make sure they're playing on a team for next year. Now, Kyle Schwarber is probably not one of those players that has to worry about getting a contract. Sure. Um, that being said, though, I, I don't see teams I – don't, I don't think there's going to be too many teams that are running up to pay Schwarber seven, eight, nine million. Um, I think they're going to try and go somewhere around four and a half, five, maybe six million and see what the offers are there. And then he'll probably come back to Chicago and say, here, here are the best offers. Do you guys think you can match these? They'll probably say no. He'll probably go find another good team to, to play for and probably hit 40 home runs. <laughs> <laughs> well, just one more thing to finish up on Schwarber and the idea of him coming to St. Louis. You mentioned kind of protection for Goldschmidt. L- let's just say for this hypothetical, the DH does not stay and Schwarber does mm-hmm. fit in left field. Do you see, in your opinion, based on what you've seen from Schwarber in the last number of years, 2020 being a down year, do you see him being more of a leadoff hitter? Because I know Joe Madden toyed around with him as a leadoff hitter for a couple of years, which I thought, <laughs> we don't have to get into it, I thought it was the stupidest thing. 
but Kyle Schwarber at leadoff. But that's just my <laughs> own opinion. Um, where do you see Schwarber fitting into the Cardinal lineup? Yeah, I, I think um, uh, there was like a weird trend right after the Cubs and, and uh, Astros won the World Series because they had to lead off hitters that hit home runs being Dexter Fowler and then George Springer. Um, who I'm sure is another guy you would have loved to seen come to the Cardinals, but yeah. uh, <laughs> um, that that type of trend, like what what really is the big impact behind that is a lot of pitchers will throw strikes early on in counts because they know they're facing their the, probably the three best hitters in that lineup. Uh, the idea behind putting Schwarber there was that he he's a he's a high on base guy. He does see a lot of pitches. He walks nearly around when the Cubs were trying him at leadoff spot. He was walking around fifteen percent of his plate appearances and had an on base percentage just below three sixty. So those numbers like kind of support that. But he's a career two thirty baseball or career two thirty average. His BABIP's never above three hundred. He is he's quite literally a power hitter. He he smashes <laughs> the crap out of baseballs, and if he doesn't, um, he's getting walked. And and he does do a good job of getting on base and scoring runs and seeing pitches. And those were the things that I think Joe Madden saw and thought this could translate well to the rest of this lineup. Cause you look at that team in 2017 and 2018, like you could conceivably put any of those batters one through seven anywhere in that lineup. And you could make a case for why that makes sense. Um, I don't think Kyle Schwarber should be a leadoff hitter for the Cardinals, especially because you have a guy like Tommy Edmond who could, you could plug at the top of your lineup. Even Paul DeYoung probably makes more sense as a leadoff hitter now than Schwarber does, um, which it, Paul DeYoung doesn't make sense as a, as a right. leadoff hitter. So, um, <laughs> uh, so like, you know, I, I don't see him leading off. I, I don't think he provides that same type of um, – on base percentage as, as, as much as the Cubs thought they might be getting a couple years ago. He's pretty much a guy you want to put in your fourth or fifth spot in your lineup, drive in runs. He'll hit our, he'll hit home runs. He drives in plenty of RBIs. And these last couple of years, we've seen him get more and more extra base hits because he used to be a lot of home runner bust. Um, seen a lot of doubles, a lot of balls hit into the gap, hitting against the shift. Um, he makes sense as a run producer. And I think in a Cardinals lineup that has a lot of guys in front of him that get on base, that's a perfect fit for him. Well, I think that Schwarber is definitely, you know, like it's one of the cheaper options. Maybe not because of his talent. I'm not saying he's that far behind everybody else, but definitely right. a cheaper option for St. Louis. So uh, two quick other talking points I want to get for you wrap up today. Um, Theo Epstein famously stepped down um, from, the, uh, from the role with, with the Cubs, and Jed Horry takes over. So what are your quick thoughts on, on the Epstein era? Um, I, I know it wasn't super quick, but what are your quick thoughts on that and thoughts on what Jed Horry does this offseason for the Cubs to give an update to the Cardinal listeners out there? Yeah, definitely. So uh, Theo Epstein, for those that didn't know, he, he spent about the better part of a decade with the Cubs and has left a year early in his contract. I think a lot of that has to do with what we're seeing now. Guys like Kyle Schwarber getting non-tendered, Chris Bryant being in free era trade rumor talks again. I don't <laughs> think uh, he, uh, Theo Epstein wanted to trade his guys or be the one that had to break the news to a person like Kyle Schwarber that they're, they're going to non-tender him. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this was probably the plan all along, but Theo Epstein leaving, you take a look at this now, um, there's plenty to be excited about, and those first five years were rough um, up until about 2015 where the, where the Cubs really started to get good. And after 2015, the Cubs, I mean, we've never seen Cub baseball be this consistently good ever. And uh, obviously yeah. we won a World Series, and that's massive. You get the 108-year goat, monkey, whatever you want to call, like the superstition <laughs> scapegoating off the back. And, yeah. I mean, realistically, Theo Epstein changed the way it feels to be a Cubs fan. Like, he, he's completely altered what that process looks like, how that affects fans. There's no longer the lovable losers. They're a team that five of the last six years went to the playoffs, and three of those years went to the NLC. 
So like it, it just a completely complete flip flip of the script from just 10 years ago um, to what the Cubs were now. What Jed Hoyer has to do now is find a way to make the next great Cubs team while also not pissing off all the other fans <laughs> by trading, trading someone like a, you know, like a Chris Bryant or, or DFA or, you know, non-tender and Kyle Schwarber. So he's got the really tough task now to try and find a way to make this team competitive for the current state of 2021, but also make sure that this team is better set up for the future. Um, so what does that mean? Probably more trades where probably more guys, a part of this core that are leaving. We've seen this last weekend, Wilson Contreras is popping up at a lot of rumors. Um, so I would assume the Cubs are going to do whatever they can to find a way to make their salary less expensive in 2021 while also trying to acquire guys for the future. Um, I it's they're t- talking about threading the needle is what they're talking about. Realistically, they're just retooling and, and rebuilding is what they're doing. And I, I think that means if, if trading Chris Bryant helps them more so in post 2021, they're going to do it. That's really what their, their thought process is now. So they're going to change this team. I think the only people we could expect to see come back would probably be like, for sure, at least would be Rizzo, probably Baez. Kyle Hendricks and you Darvish everyone else that's not signed post 2021 is, is probably an asset to the Cubs at this point. I don't think if I would have told you that in 2017, I don't think you would have believed me. <laughs> of, no, of, you know, ab- the, absolutely not. Bryant being gone, you know, <laughs> so just, you know, the, the sports landscape is, is one that's ever changing. And one last departure we have to talk about. And this is one kind of kind of hits home to me too, is longtime Cub TV broadcaster, Len Casper is, um, going to the White Sox uh, as a radio broadcaster. And just um, like I said, my brother's Cub fan, so I watched a lot of Cub games on WGN for years, Comcast Sports in that last couple of years in Marquee. And I don't want to get too deep into why he left, but I do want to hear your thoughts because I know you had him on your guest on your show a while back. Um, your thoughts on Len Casper, his, his time as a Cub, um, and, and just, you know, who's, who do you think or what is it going to be like trying to fill his shoes? And just your general <laughs> thoughts on Len Casper to finish up the show. Yeah, Len Casper is just an awesome person. Um, we, uh, we, you can't say enough nice things about the guy, but as a broadcaster for the Cubs, I mean, he spent 16 seasons here. I, I don't remember the guy that was before him was Chip Carey, who is famously Harry Carey's son. And he was in the broadcast booth with Steve Stone. And that was in 2005, the year following, or 2004, 2005, Len Casper stepped in. And that's the guy I remember from my childhood, at least. Like, that's who I'll think about when I think about, like, the World Series runs and stuff like that. And even before that with, like, Derek Lee, Aramis Ramirez, Alfonso Soriano, those groups of guys. Like, Len Casper just endeared himself to a fan base that, that – I've just never, you know, outside of Harry Carey, there's never been an announcer quite like Len Casper for the Cubs who just ingrained himself in everything Cub. So mm-hmm. it was tough to to see, especially like of all places, the White Sox and radio, <laughs> like what, right. what is happening? So yeah. it was, it was tough to say goodbye to a guy like Casper, but at the same time too, it sounds like this is what he wants to do. And I know there were changes with the marquee network that he hasn't said anything publicly about like not liking marquee, but uh, you got to think like coming into a new station, they're immediately like changing everything about your broadcast booth. You're wearing shirts and ties now. It was sure. like just it had to be weird for him. So I'm sure he saw the writing on the wall because I know Marquee Network, it sounds like they haven't officially made any decision, but Chris Myers is the guy they hired last year from Fox Sports to be part of this. And he would have been a bigger part of Marquee last year had they not been dealing with COVID and whatnot. But he's a guy that will probably slide in. There's a guy, Brian Anderson, who's a broadcaster for the Brewers, is another name I've seen pop up in Cubs really? Twitter. Um, 
Yeah, not, I'm not, I, I've never listened to him and I honestly don't know much about him. I've heard good things from other people. Yeah, um, no, that's a name him. I've seen pop up. Yeah, I've heard, heard he's great. I honestly haven't listened to him, which is hard to believe because the brewers are right above us. But right. um, I don't know, strange. It, it'll be hard to fill the shoes of a guy like Casper just because he lends awesome and he's, he's synonymous with Cubs fans he he's the guy that announces all the cubs during the cubs convention he's the person that cubs fans probably interact with more than anyone on a daily basis it'll be weird to see casper not in that booth for 2021 yeah i agree i think when i think of you know watching cubs baseball because for most of my childhood all we got was wg and we did i could only watch uh, cardinal games going to grandparents house but you know it, it was len and bob renley i mean as much as people like len and jd mm-hmm. I, I always loved len and bob a little bit more um, so the, it is a tough air to go. And I tell you, I, I, I don't want to fill Len Casper's shoes right now. That, that's going to be a tough task to, to fill for sure. Um, but Sean, yeah. I appreciate you coming Maybe in on. a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> right. I uh, appreciate you coming on today. I know it probably was, <clears throat> excuse me, painful talking about all these departures, but there are good things ahead for, for Cub fans, I'm sure. <laughs> so, um, so fans, be sure to head over to Locked On Cubs or tell all your Cub fans that, first of all, they should be Cardinal fans, but since they won't be, head over to Locked On Cubs. Um, <laughs> and everybody, go ahead over to Locked On MLB to listen to the wonderful um, Sully Sullivan to talk about baseball. So, Sean, thanks for coming on today, and uh, uh, keep, keep up the good work on Locked On Cubs. Thanks. You too, Lucas.